The streak is over. The Charlotte Hornets beat the Philadelphia 76ers after a 16-game losing streak. Now the only question is, as Doug Branson posed it, are the Hornets elite? We talk about it today on the Locked on Hornets podcast. You are Locked on Hornets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. We're past 600 subscribers. We are growing and we are growing very fast. And we appreciate every one of you for watching and subscribing. You can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH. Sometimes he's capable of saying things more than just the word Hornets. Hornets. You can find the show handle on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. Who just ended their 76ers losing streak, Doug? Hornets. Who's elite in the Eastern Conference? Hornets. Who do you feel great about right now? Doug Branson. Also the Hornets. Okay, yeah, that's right. It's the Charlotte Hornets who are now 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. They just ended what was a brutal streak against Philadelphia. Miles Bridges having not ever gotten a win against Joel Embiid. P.J. Washington. LaMelo Ball was in high school the last time that the Hornets beat Philadelphia. And here we are celebrating not only just that victory, but it's coming off of what was a two-game winning streak against Milwaukee. The best team in the Eastern Conference. Giannis played. Joel Embiid played. Where did they start all of these winning ways? It was against Denver when Nikola Jokic was also on the floor. Three MVP-type candidates. Really, like, the worst matchups ever for the Charlotte Hornets. They're getting victories over these teams. It does go to show you a couple of things. One, when they buy in defensively and just show you a good old-fashioned effort, they're capable of playing a lot better on that end of the floor. And as James Borrego said during post-game availability, this is a choice. He says to his team, Mm -hmm. like, you guys are choosing to win these games, and it's working because of your choice to defend on the other end. P.J. Washington helps. The guard play is a lot better right now. Cody, Jalen, all of these guys buying in on that end of the floor, and you beat good teams because of it. I mean, Doug, I feel great about this team right now, and I think it's okay after a long time to try to figure out when is that time to maybe take that next step. It seems like they're turning a corner having beaten a few of the best players in the NBA. Yeah, and and I think I'm ready to declare that this is the best stretch of Hornets basketball we've seen all season, and maybe... Um, How you far know, are you going back? I don't know. Probably, I mean, certainly to the last playoff uh, team that we saw, the 15-16. Yeah. Um, but so the difference between this stretch and even the stretch that they had early in the season when they won five in a row against Memphis, New York, Golden State, Washington, when Washington was on top of the East and Indiana. The difference is that it is a choice because this isn't a case, these last three games, the two against Milwaukee and this win over Philadelphia, these aren't games where they've suddenly got on a hot streak shooting wise or the other team is just playing miserably offensively. These have been balanced games for the most part. And, and they've been tough games. They've been games that have required the Hornets to stay engaged defensively every stretch of the way. Uh, they've really exchanged 
hot three-point shooting that they've had all season. They've exchanged that for defense because yeah. they haven't been shooting the ball really excellently, and they've had to force the ball inside and and make tough plays, get fouled. Even though they only got I think eight free throws, and this is ridiculous. I mean these some of these some of these games and how they're officiated. It's just it's enraging to me, especially Miles Bridges. I don't know how Miles Bridges did not pick up a technical in that game. I mean, God love. <laughs> yeah, he was. I mean, it was crazy. Was some of the fouls. Him. Yeah, some of the fouls that he was getting called for versus the fouls that he was not getting called on himself. It was nuts. Mason Plumley too, by the way. Like he went Jeez. at the official one or two times yeah but anyway so I, I do agree that this is a choice the Hornets have chosen all right we're going to play defense we're going to score on all three levels and uh, it has been a balanced scoring attack I mean you saw Gordon obviously take over game uh, 13 of 16 from the field 30 points started out what 10 of 10 I mean just insanity 30 yeah. points, seven assists, four rebounds. Miles Bridges was doing a lot. Terry Rozier, 10 of 18 from the field. Lamella was facilitating, making things happen. He was giving you the rebounding that he's always going to give you, even though he was struggling from the field. Uh, Cody Martin, McDaniels off the bench. P.J. Washington, again, just a I mean, Herculean effort defensively. Guy can play with five fouls better than <laughs> most guys can play with no fouls. It's well, crazy. And look, I, I know we've become almost the P.J. Washington show the last couple of times, but he's playing so well defensively. He's like, demanding he's coming it. Up, he's he, demanding it. He's coming up with stops, Doug. Not, oh, you can only hope to contain these guys. Like, look, okay, over the course of a game, that's absolutely true. Joel Embiid still scored over 30. Giannis had 40 and 27 in the couple of games that he played. Clearly, over the course of a game, nobody's stopping him, and you are kind of living by that cliche. You can only hope to contain them. But in clutch time situations, P.J., has been huge in coming up with just outright stops, turning over an Embiid, making a miss shots, uh, turning over Giannis. Like, that's huge with what PJ's been able to do. And this is my point about the Charlotte Hornets and why I feel so good about them. Doug, the last couple of years where James Borrego has been the head coach, you know, they, they have the one season with Kimball Walker. I don't want to say half-heartedly going after a postseason spot, but we didn't know it was going to come of that because the free agent year was was on the horizon. He gets the All-NBA selection. That throws things out of whack, and we're just not exactly sure what the future is going to look like. In the end, it's a rebuild. James Borrego starts all of that his second season. So the last couple of years, we've been tinkering with guys' roles. Can Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington play with one another, or are they just kind of redundant? Is PJ a guy that we should explore having the basketball in his hands a little more, putting it on the floor, you know, trying to create for himself? Miles Bridges, same thing. Or should we just kind of keep him sometimes posting up? Can he shoot these threes? Can he shoot off of the dribble? Terry Rozier, is he somebody that should just be a perimeter shooter? We've been trying to play with these roles, figuring out who does what well, and is there more on their game to expand? Now, we're starting to figure out in and pretty much so in concrete, what these guys can do well, and it's helping them win ball games. LaMelo, he's the one that can do it all, right? Like, he's the guy that, you know, mm -hmm. facilitated a high level. He is the at least potential superstar that is the key to unlocking this franchise to new heights they've never seen before. LaMelo is the key. There's no denying that. But now, Gordon Hayward, can he be consistently a go-to guy half court? Because he hadn't been this year. Miles mm -hmm. Bridges. Can he do that same sort of thing? P.J. Washington, play good defense, hit 40% from three, make the right pass, and give me 10 points a game. Cool. Cody Martin, Jalen McDaniels, come in off the bench, play great defense, hit shots from the perimeter, 
cut to the baseline, Kelly Oubre be a bucket getter off of like these guys have bought into specific roles where they can only have to focus on something individually they do well. And it allows this team to prosper. Like that's why I feel so good about this Hornets team compared to years past. I just feel good because they're playing defense over the past eight games. They are a top, they're a top (laughs) 10 defense. And that's with the blowout. That's including the blowout that they suffered at the hands of the Phoenix Suns uh, and gave up 133 points. I repeat, the, over the past eight games where they've won uh, six of these bad boys, um, they are, or excuse me, over the past nine games where they've won seven, they are the eighth best defense in the NBA. I mean, that is insanity when you think about how they've played defense over the course of this entire season. It's even crazier, these three wins, when you think that two of them have been games where they've struggled to shoot from outside and they've been missing one of their best outside shooters this season in Kelly Oubre. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team has so so much more growth potential between now and when they enter the playoffs. They're, da- they're dangerous right now. They could get even more dangerous, and we have the trade deadline looming where they could possibly upgrade this roster even more. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Mitch Kupchak plays this because he talked about this last year. They were in the four seed when everybody was healthy, and he told you after the season, it was tough to keep myself in check. This is the reality of our team. I'm not going to fall for the mirage and say, we're going to even compete in a playoff series. That's why I'm going to try to make a move. He said it was really hard to keep himself grounded during that time. Now that you've taken another step, now that you're above 500 at the midway point in the season, 23 and 19, beating the Bucks, beating Philadelphia, how much grounding is there to be had? Is this is this the time to be okay with we're going to make a move or do you just roll with this squad because they're playing so well? Like it's <laughs> you know, like it's going to be tough. It's it's a tough decision, but you know what? It's, it's a good problem to have as they say sometimes with this Charlotte Hornets team trying to figure out the right buttons to push. Jordan Council Julian Council going to be joining us in just a moment. Locked on Panthers. He's the host of that show here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Season is over and done with. Saw him tweeting about the Hornets last night. He's ready to talk about some Queen City hoops. And so we'll get him on in just a moment. I want to talk to you about prize picks because they've got the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. They offer more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator. And they offer all the superstar players as well as the bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize picks offers any prop you can think of too from points assists rebounds threes made etc and you can pick two to five players and an over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry it's just you versus the projected numbers go to prizepicks.com today or go to your app store and download the app all users that deposit and use promo code nba will get 50 dollars free if your first prize picks entry scores a single point that's right all users that deposit and use promo code nba will get 50 dollars free if your first prize picks entry scores a single individual point prize picks is daily fantasy made easy julian council he joins the fun coming up next on the lockdown hornets podcast This is Locked on Hornets. All I have to go off of is write-ups and highlights and some video tidbits on Twitter because I was not able to watch this game. Tidbits, tidbits? that's a a great word, tidbits. I mean, that's just a funny word, tidbits. I want to use it every single day. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We welcome Julian Council now to the Locked on Hornets podcast. You can find him on Locked on Panthers where, yeah, 
He still has to talk about that team that only finished with five wins for the second straight year under Matt Rule, who everybody hates and is public enemy number one in the city of Charlotte right now. It's brutal, and he's not doing himself any favors by continuing to talk, whether it be on a radio show or whether it be on press conferences. Julian, it's awful over there in Pantherland. So this is where I stand when it comes to Matt Rule and his uh... – Issues when it comes to speaking to the media. Just fire off your Matt Rule takes. That's what I, I quite honest, no, like I quite honestly do not care what he or any coach of any sport has to say about anything. All they care about is what they do, and that's kind of how I care about what people say. Same thing in my relationships in life. Like you can say whatever you want, but I really care about your actions more so than the things that mm. you say. They Preach. actually speak louder than the words. So people can be mad about how poor Matt Rule is at getting his messaging across, and some of the things he says are um, pretty dumb and asinine. It doesn't really matter if he was winning. People wouldn't care as much as they care right now. And people also, Panther fans, are just looking for a reason to be upset instead of enjoying the other team in town that's having a ton of success that's and right. just finally beat Philadelphia and has beat the Milwaukee twice the past week. I don't understand like why people are focusing so much attention on the losing team in town and what the head coach has to say on a radio show. <laughs> why are well, they hey, listening to my podcast? Don't do that. Listen to yeah. Lockdown Hornets. <laughs> and, the, and the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, JB, he's the king of not saying anything in a post-game press conference. Correct. Like He just keeps it yeah. really steady as she goes. So, But his actions are speaking right now, Julian. What do you think about that? Not only the win against Philadelphia, but what you're seeing out of this team over the past three games, knocking down uh, the Milwaukee Bucks as well. I don't think there's ever been a point in the last – 10, 15 years why I've been this excited about the Charlotte Hornets and where they've had a stretch like that. Like, can you can you pinpoint to back when they were the original Hornets towards the end of the time they were here, 0-1-0-2, to when they came back, the Bobcats, even the Larry Brown season, when there was the most anticipated season of Charlotte Bobcats basketball, to after 15-16. Have you – even that 15-16 season, can you pinpoint to a point in time where they go out there and they def- – beat the defending world champions in back-to-back games, then turn around and beat a Philadelphia 76ers team, albeit shorthanded, I guess, still with the Ben Simmons issue, but a very good Sixers team no. that they have not been able to beat since Nick Batum guaranteed victory against that That's trash right. 76ers team back in 17 and then got clowned by TJ McConnell after the game. It's awesome to see. Like, there's the to- the momentum that they have and the amount of home games they have in the second half of the season. I feel great about this team. I don't think I've ever felt – like this about the Charlotte Hornets and what they could achieve this season, especially after what they've done over the last five days. It's a perfect mixture of hope and results right here, right now. Because when you talk about that 15-16 team, it was awesome to get to the postseason. We all loved Courtney Lee for hitting the shot despite his only half-season rental because he was a part of something special here in Charlotte, at least up to Charlotte Hornets standards, just getting to a playoff series and competing for seven games. But the thing is, you never knew what the future looked like with that Charlotte Hornets team. Like maybe you still believed in MKG to come back and be stronger. Maybe you believe Nick Batum could be something more than what he was because we didn't feel like Nick Batum was going to be awful at that time. Kemba, like here you have LaMelo, who is clearly in tier one of the best young NBA players in the game. You have Miles Bridges, who's at least in the top 10 vote getters for the front court in the Eastern Conference. You have Gordon Hayward giving you 30, even though he's been inconsistent, right? Like there is a perfect mixture of being above 500, looking like a team that could be a problem in the postseason, depending Mm -hmm. on uh, on seeding, and also having a decent amount of hope for the future. And it seems like there are different avenues you can take. Like you can take the exit of in-season trade and you feel good about it. 
you can roll with this squad right now based on the way they're playing defense. And it might be a little dicey. They could revert back to their old ways, but you could feel pretty good about it. Like they have options. They have hope. They have results. And I think that's the reason why, Julian, like I feel better about this team more than I have really since the the Diddy, Mashburn, David Wesley era as well. Yeah, and I look at that season, too, and it kind of just came out of nowhere. Like, they got really hot in the second half of the season. Yeah. They make that Courtney Lee trade. I thought that Jeremy Lin was awesome that year, too, for them as that second point guard. Frank Kaminsky, even in his rookie year, especially later on in the season when he was starting the playoffs, he was giving you a lot of good minutes. But it wasn't really one of those things where they had built towards that, where you look at what's going on right now, getting lucky in a lottery with Lamelo, him being the rookie of the year last year, now building off of that past season the development of Miles Bridges, what you're getting off of the bench from P.J. Washington, and also Kelly Oubre, who's been one of the best free agency signings in the NBA so far this season. It's something that they've built towards, and now you're getting to see the benefit of the decision to let Kimball Walker go, even how messy it was, and having the commitment to the G League in the draft and development that they have here in Charlotte. And it all goes to the top with Mitch Kupchak and in the identity of the team that, that James Bregos wanted to see. And it's now all coming to fruition as they're beating two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference in the past three games. And that has me excited and should have everyone in the city and across the world as a Hornets fan excited about the potential of this season. Now, I'm not really on board with them making a trade right now because I'm pretty happy with what they have. And I don't know what – I don't really know what the ceiling really is, like NBA finals, even conference finals. But we see a year ago, Atlanta, they got hot with a young team, made it all the way to the conference finals. Like who could say that Charlotte Hornets has their current iteration right now, couldn't do the same thing. I would say, I mean, I, I'm still not on board with the idea that the Hornets can win a playoff series. I, I mean, I'm getting there, and if they continue, if they if they continue this hot streak and continue to beat really good teams all, all the way to the all the way to the playoffs, then you know maybe they maybe they can convince me. That's still available, but at this point, I'm still thinking at a seven game series versus a Philadelphia or a Milwaukee they're going to find a way to beat a Hornets team that has such a gaping hole in, in the middle of in the middle of the floor because really the Hornets are still I think one or two injuries away from you know just completely collapsing defensively so well, yeah yeah well and you bring up you bring up their health COVID protocols if you want to include that then the Hornets were was really the first team that it hit harder than everybody mm -hmm. else mm -hmm. but if we're going to talk about relative health as far as any long-term injuries They've actually skated by on that. Gordon mm -hmm. Hayward. I mean, look at the minutes he's played this season among the leaders on this team. Maybe he's playing the most minutes on this team, if I'm not mistaken. But the fact that he's appeared in as many games as he has already, that's astounding given his injury history. LaMelo Ball hasn't suffered anything too heartbreaking yet. All of this, by the way, we're knocking on wood to try to get rid of yeah, that. Yeah, I'm literally banging I'm just, on my I, table. I'm, I'm, I'm only saying this based off observation. I'm not projecting karma gods get away from me. I'm just saying what's happened so far. But we have dodged pretty serious injuries here in Charlotte, and that's something to take note of when trying to project where this team could be. The good news is I do think they have some depth. Like COVID protocols, those guys were still out, whether it was a long-term injury or not. They were still out, and we had to get a taste of what this team would look like with a book night getting some minutes here and there, a JT Thor. Remember that stretch? <laughs> like, like JT Thor provided some good minutes, I, you know, there is some kind of stability that this team has if you have an injury, maybe because of what we've seen so far. And I, I think that allows you to feel somewhat comfortable with it.
And that's also a week-long period where we've had to see some of the, the Hornets shorthanded and still have success. So what does it look like if they have a month and a month and a half of a key player out like last season? Because that's really what derailed them at the end of the year. I know all they needed was one win in those final seven games, build host the home game in the play-in tournament. But it was still a young team that was still learning and growing. And I guess Doug makes a good point, too. Like, yeah, I mean, over a seven-game series, are you taking the Hornets or Philadelphia? Probably Philadelphia because they have that one player in the court who Charlotte really has nothing they can do about for seven games. Unless Embiid, who historically has injuries, gets injured. Like, that's the only way I could see that scenario playing out right now. But just the way that they're playing, and hopefully they can position themselves where the matchup that they get is not against the Joel Embiid, against the Giannis Antetokounmpo, who they have no answer for over a seven-game period. But right now... I just feel good about the foundation of this team. And it is also one of those things where like, yeah, they got mopped in the play in tournament. You got to learn how to play in the play in the playoffs. And a lot of that comes through experience. But again, Atlanta didn't have a ton of experience last year either. They do have Capella. So that definitely helps them in terms of defensively in the middle. And the Hornets aren't a great defensive team or rebounding team. I'm just kind of on the wave of just like, hey, we just beat Philadelphia after You're 16 Biden, straight losses and in Milwaukee. <laughs> like, I, I feel pretty damn good about what these guys can do. And the last thing I'm going to do is doubt them because they've given me no reason to doubt them over the last couple of seasons, at least this season and the last season. Well, I think Atlanta Atlanta is a good comparison because they had they not only had Capella, they had Trey Young, who is a player that offensively is just really tough or, or defensively for the opposing team is really tough to scheme against. You know, the Hornets have had that player, but it's been different players on different nights. They've had it. Sometimes it's Gordon Hayward. Sometimes it's Miles Bridges who's scoring 30-plus. Sometimes it's Terry Rozier who's coming through with big buckets. LaMelo's had a few 30-point games, but offensively, we just haven't seen like him ascend to that sort of takeover kind of mentality where, all right, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to win this game for us offensively. So, you know, do, do, does a player like that emerge for the Charlotte Hornets in the second half of the season? I think that's an interesting storyline to watch as well. Well, and, and we'll, you know, we'll go to kind of talking about the rebuild overall, too, because I want to discuss a little more about that. How are the Hornets here? But even speaking with LaMelo, I mentioned it a couple of times. It's why I was so excited watching LaMelo play against Milwaukee, because there were takeover moments for him. You did have the moments where he's taking guys off of the dribble. I'm going to get a basket. There's nothing you can do to stop me. And that's how you get, I think, it was 16 points in the third quarter you know still coming up with big buckets in the fourth and then even in the first game against Milwaukee you got to see that and the difference is LaMelo has guys that he can facilitate to that can score pretty easily with Atlanta Trey Young is asked to do a lot of the scoring John Collins yeah. isn't necessarily happy about it but Trey Young is the guy that's asked to do a lot of that here you don't have to force it. Terry can come do that. As you mentioned, Doug, all the guys you just listed. So we'll see what exactly LaMelo's role is as far as the scoring kind of goes down the line. But right now, exactly what I said in the first segment, guys are buying into their roles and they're playing really well within their designed role. And I think that is allowing this team to really benefit from it. Let's talk about the rebuild with the Charlotte Hornets team and kind of look ahead still in the next segment. Not before I discuss Bet Online. They'd like to wish you a happy new betting gear as we continue the march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and a mobile website to sign up today. And you can receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code 
Locked On to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. How did the Hornets get here? Is it a rebuild that we need to attribute all of the success and thank Mitch Kupchak for? We'll talk about that next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. We just flat out eat some noodles on Thanksgiving, and they're really good. That's a new one. I really yeah. haven't heard of people I know. just doing some straight nudes on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes. Is, Thanksgiving is there some Italian Taylor's. background in your family? Is that why no. nudes show up? No. no, no, I don't think nope. so. Just some, just some straight Anglican nudes. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug has left us, so now it's just me and Julian left to talk about the Charlotte Hornets. And speak of the devil, right? We were just talking about the Atlanta Hawks during the last segment, kind of making that comparison of a young team finding themselves in the postseason and then actually getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, something the Charlotte Hornets have never done before. Could this be a team that does that and rides the high of what was an improved year for Atlanta, just kind of making those comparisons? Well, as soon as we go to break, Julian announces via his timeline, Adrian Wojnarowski puts out a tweet that says that Atlanta Hawks have actually made a trade. So this is basically real time as we're recording this around 1140. So Wojnarowski puts this out. The Atlanta Hawks are trading forward Cam Reddish to the New York Knicks for a deal that includes a protected 2022 first round pick via Charlotte, and the Knicks also acquire Solomon Hill and a 2025 second-round pick via Brooklyn in the trade. New York is including Kevin Knox in that trade to Atlanta. Those are what the sources are telling ESPN and Adrian Wojnarowski. Now, a little bit of a Charlotte connection, that protected first-round pick that was sent to New York in exchange for Kai Jones, who, by the way, also yep. entered health and safety protocol. So we've got a lot of things coming full circle here. But Kai Jones and health and safety protocol, hopefully he's okay, comes back as soon as possible in case the Hornets need him, even though you don't expect that as rookie year. But what do you make of this trade, Julian? Like, And, and kind of also looking at Atlanta – Getting to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, this year it's been very rough. Like, they're below the Hornets. They're below a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference standings now. John Collins is out here saying, I want to be more involved in the offense. Cam Reddish now being dealt, and he was somebody that was a first-round pick, a young, promising dude. Like, what do you make of what the Hawks are experiencing now and maybe still kind of making those comparisons? Well, I think what we're we're going to have the conversation here shortly just about the Hornets and their rebuild. Mm-hmm. I think for Atlanta, like they're still in that process of a rebuild and trying to gain experience with a young team that's centered around Trey Young and John Collins, who seems to always be wanting more out of his role there in Atlanta. I think he's a fantastic player. So I'm kind of surprised that they don't really give him more of an opportunity. And I like I love Kevin Herter, but at that point in time, you have to figure out who really is going to be a part of this core moving forward. And the Hornets in the small part, had to make those decisions this past free agency when they traded Devontae Graham. Same thing with Malik Monk letting him go in free agency to the L.A. Lakers. they got to find the right pieces for them, and I think that's one of the part of this trade there for Atlanta is, hey, Cam Reddish, we don't think he's going to fit in long-term for what we're trying to build here. And eventually, for the Hornets, maybe this summer or next season, they're going to have to make the same sort of decisions as they try to figure out who exactly is going to be a part of this team long-term. I know for a fact that it's going to be LaMelo Ball, They've invested in Terry Rozier. Gordon Hayward's probably not a tradable contract. But what's the future for guys like P.J. Walker or P.J. Washington, excuse me? And with a whole Panther crossover. Can't do it. You um, can't help it. It's okay. For, <laughs> yeah. What's the future for P.J. Washington? Same thing with Miles Briggs. 
too. That seems like a guy you never want to let go. Then you get key pieces like Kelly Oubre have come in, just trying to find that balance of who can help you moving forward and also being savvy and getting those kind of trades like a small market team has to do. Atlanta's not a small market, but in the NBA, they kind of are considered one, which is weird. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things that small market teams have to do in trying to figure out when they're building a young team and trying to figure out what their future is going to be as they continue to build. Well, yeah, let's let that transition us into the rebuild convo and still kind of use that Atlanta comparison because, one, I think it's easy to do when they're only basically four hours away. They're one of the closest big-time markets to us here in Charlotte. And you see them making the right decisions, trying to build from the ground up ever since they moved on from their core five, core four, Horford, when they had Kyle Korver, Teague, all those guys down there in Atlanta, Paul Millsap. And then they were like, all right, let's try to do this where we're rebuilding, getting young players and trying to take that next step because we were bottoming out with the all-stars that we had on the team previously. So they make a few draft picks and then boom, they run into Trey Young. They actually collect some picks because Dallas wants to go get Luka Doncic and then they get Trey Young and they get some picks and they make the most of it right like yeah they try to you know, DeAndre Hunter's been really good now he's injured a lot we'll see about his projection towards the future but they hit on Kevin Herter you know Cam Reddish at least you turn him into another first round pick although it's protected and maybe Kevin Knox is some kind of reclamation project I mean I don't have faith but you get the idea like they're still doing decent enough things you know still drafting Jalen Johnson getting Sharif Cooper who fell way low in the draft you like what they're doing the one thing I kind of wonder about with Atlanta though is you know do they have significant enough veteran pieces on that team to try to remain stable because they still have a lot of young guys and I think that's where Charlotte has maybe done a decent job of bringing some of those guys in I didn't like the contract for Gordon Hayward when it happened it's still too much we'll see how it plays out but Gordon, last night, you could see it certainly helped him, even though he's been inconsistent. That's certainly granted. You know, Terry Rozier, yeah. like, I didn't like that contract. But we know that having a veteran on this team might help them out a little bit. And now, like, it's kind of the same thing. Hornets making decent picks. Miles Bridges first round. P.J. Washington first round. You keep making good picks until you just run into some luck because that's all you can really ask for when rebuilding. And boom, they get the third pick in the lottery and LaMelo Ball falls to him, and now you're cooking. Like, you've got the star player for the future on top of just good foundation pieces you've drafted in the meantime surrounding that LaMelo pick. And it just seems like, Julian, we're in a place that's better than the year before pretty consistently with this team ever since the second year Borrego coached. And that's something itself to get excited about because you can pretty visibly see the improvement every single year. And here we are now, at least above 500. You know, we'll, we'll see where they go the rest of the season and beyond. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting balancing act that you have to do in having a team be young and grow and develop and also having some veterans. It feels like to me, Atlanta is at least just going to let this thing marinate for a couple seasons. They got lucky last year, got a nice run. But now they're seeing the realities of we still have a young team that has to go to the war every night in the NBA and through an 82 game season they're not going to always have the kind of success that you would hope after you saw after a short period of time in the playoffs now for the hornets they made smart decisions in trading for terry rozier who had the experience of helping boston get to that game seven to the eastern conference finals when kyrie irving was out and they eventually lost to lebron james and the cavaliers and you also have gordon hayward who has experience playing in the playoffs back when he was in boston but really not that much in boston but also back in utah when he was such a focal point for that team unfortunately when they got down to the play in tournament last year because of injuries you had banged up or now there and that led in large part to them getting embarrassed in the situation but at least they got the experience 
and really the key for the Hornets here, it's been LaMelo Ball. We had talked yeah. about late, the late Rick Pinnell would always talk about the Hornets, what they got to find here in Charlotte. It's finding that superstar player, whether that's going to be a center, which is obviously still a need here, or it could be a point guard, finding that superstar. As good as Kimball Walker was, he did not transcend the sport like LaMelo Ball might eventually be able to do here. Because he's a guy who's been in the spotlight since he was 15 years old, back in Chino Hill, scoring 90 points in a high school game where he was just cherry-picking and hitting threes from half court. <laughs> like, he's... Like the the one thing at least his dad did for him was put his name out there when when Lonzo was going to UCLA and balling out, and you had Leangelo there in high school too. But but the Lomelo, he's been in the spotlight, and he's been able to have that kind of superstar arc where he goes over to the NBL and he comes back mm-hmm. to Ohio at Spire Academy, and what he was able to do immediately in the league, getting him has changed the fortunes for the Hornets. And like you give credit to Mitch Kupchak for the draft picks that he's had with PJ Washington. PJ Washington, you know, Miles Bridges, nice and then job. the trades, Excellent. And, and then like the sign, the signing um, Terry Rozier with the trade, and then also getting Gordon Hayward when a lot of people like myself and yourself did not really love it. Yeah, and I, I was pretty it. upset just about the way that the Kimba thing was handled that they got Terry Rozier, even though I figured like Terry would be a pretty good player for the Hornets. I did not expect him to shoot the way he shot so far, at least last season in his career here in Charlotte. But it all comes down to just having that piece that, that you can have hope in. And when you look at really any franchise in sports, having that one player you can point to and be like, yeah, that guy could maybe lead us, lead us to the promised land mm-hmm. certainly helps galvanize a fan base and lead them to believe that they can do something and achieve something that they didn't think they could do before. When you look across town, you don't really have that figure that you can kind of sit there and be like, oh, yeah, that guy, he he's going to be our franchise. He can help us one day. Our goal. Well, and that's the worry. You you don't want to jump the gun because you have a misread on your organization and you don't have any patience. If anything, Mitch Kupchak has actually exercised too much patience. You know, the only in-season trade he's made so far has been for Brad Wanamaker. But at the time where you're has hearing... He well, too much pain. No, no. I'm saying if anything, I don't think so. Like at the time, yeah, okay. the, the, only, the only one that I got a little... A little, I don't know, I, I disagreed with a little bit was the Mark Gasol trade, like just not pulling the trigger on that. I believe that was that was his first year with Kimba. If you were going yeah. to keep Kimba, then you needed to make a move to at least compete in the postseason or even just get there. Right. Because they only made it a couple times with Kimba here in the city of Charlotte. Like that was the only one. But also, you know, I understood it. Like I, you, you don't want to jump the gun. You want to keep as much talent as you possibly have on this roster. You don't want to sacrifice what the future could be. And since then, he's been very patient in season, in the offseason. Gordon Hayward was the one that kind of was contrary to that. And I was like, man, you know, so close, right? Like you're, you're so close to having preached all of this patience and now you just go against it. But, you know, Gordon helps this team as the other guys develop. And maybe he even serves as somewhat of a catalyst in helping these guys develop. Again, I'm not saying he deserves $30 million a year. It's too much. Sure. But if, if that's what you have to dish out, all right, like maybe you know, maybe I come around to that a little bit. Either way, we've seen the correct steps taken until you run into just some just some good old fashioned luck. And I'm not going to apologize for that, nor should any Hornets fan, because you've been downright unlucky so many years. Finally, Lamelo Ball falls to third the same time that you get the third overall selection, and now you have your potential superstar, and it's phenomenal. You're right, like that's the key. You know, that that's the thing that allows you to feel as good as you do about this franchise. 
Yeah, and also just on the Mitch Kupchak patience thing, like look at where Marcus all went. He went to Toronto, who ended up winning the NBA championship that year. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to make a trade like that unless you think you can win an NBA title. And if anyone knows how to win an NBA title, well, it's obviously the owner, Michael Jordan, who, you know, things have been different and maybe a little bit of his input has kind of stunted the growth of this organization in the past before Mitch Kupchak. But Mitch, as a general manager and coming from L.A., knows what a championship team looks like when he looks at this roster he probably doesn't see a championship team so it's like i'm not going to make that decision right now yeah but i do believe at the point where he believes they can be a championship team he will absolutely make the trade necessary for the hornets to get over the hump i'll also say this we talk about the luck and the unlucky part of the hornets have we thought about maybe this is a longer conversation but think about it like the ping pong balls that screwed the hornets over and sent the league-owned team the new orleans Hornets at the time, or whatever they were, I guess, um, Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. maybe we, we actually got lucky with that. Because Anthony Davis didn't really achieve anything in New Orleans, has spent his entire career basically being unhealthy, and wouldn't have stayed in Charlotte long-term anyway. We'll see what the future holds with LaMelo Ball, but having a player like him, who seems to fit the culture perfectly in this coaching staff, especially James Reagan, the relationship they have, in I don't know. Everything he said so far makes it seem that he actually wants to be here long term opposed to leveraging this career in Charlotte so he can go back to play for the Lakers. Maybe the Hornets actually didn't get all that unlucky after all of Anthony Davis because maybe we'd had a short-term happiness, but will we have ever achieved what we would hope to achieve had Kimba and Anthony Davis been on the same roster? Yeah, I, I think I think you're still probably in a similar area though. Like, and and I understand your point, but the thing is, when we talk about the luck with Lamelo Ball being here, that was still a team that should not have been picking at number three overall. Like, that, absolutely, that, yeah. So if you if you finish with a similar record based on the fallout of whatever alternate universe has Anthony Davis on the Charlotte roster then I mean, it probably looks pretty similar and you get lucky getting LaMelo Ball up there. But it, it's a good point. Like, I understand what you're saying with Anthony Davis coming here. Then it's almost fool's gold to an extent because he's always going to go to a bigger market. Like, I, You know, maybe, especially if you don't have any belief that Rich Cho, Michael Jordan at the time, anybody in the front office with any kind of authority. Exactly. Make the like, right the, decision. The, like, I understand the structure saying. was not going to be good enough. Like with, with Higgins back then and then Cho, right. the structure was never going to be conducive for that being a long term success with Anthony Davis and even with Kimba Walker. Now, could they have won a playoff series at some point in time? It's possible enough talent on that roster, at least those two guys that that can carry you through seven games. But were they ever going to achieve conference finals with that too that pairing and that's also it's just it's one of the big what ifs, what ifs in charlotte sports history especially oh, when it comes to yeah. this team but i i kind of look at it now and just looking at the where his career is gone yes he won a championship in the pandemic season in the bubble but like yeah anthony davis probably ended up being a hall of famer but did was, has his career really gone the way that a lot of people thought it was going to go when he came out of kentucky i mean no and, and the, here's the thing though because the hornets are more successful than and, and have better hope than they've ever had since the Bobcats, like that allows us to have that take now. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> be- before this, we couldn't even have that take. And it's a pretty mild one when discussing how badly do you want a playoff series win? Because he did accomplish that with New Orleans, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was the Pelicans that got that got the sweep over Portland. Yeah. Remember Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, like, hey, they were supposed to put together a really nice series and bam, they got destroyed. Anthony Davis was just a beast. And so you had the playoff series win, something that this franchise hasn't. But now, 
because they've had this success, which is like four games above 500, three games. Now that allows us to have that take. And it's a beautiful place to be, Julian. Like that's now you can utter those words. Was it really all that bad that we don't have Anthony Davis a part of this franchise's history? That's where we are. And you know what? I love every bit of it. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, though, that the Panthers are kind of not in that situation. And at least you're able to fire off some takes, some fiery ones about the Carolina Panthers. People should listen to Julian. Go find him on Twitter at Julian Council. You can find the show right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Locked On Panthers. Julian making some great points about this team, where they should head towards the future, what they've done and not accomplished this past season. You holding up okay? Like, are is this like good? Is this fun uh, dude, for you, or listen, is this like awful for you to talk about? Well, listen, I'm fine. I've always <laughs> anyone who knows me well knows that I've always cared way more about the Hornets and the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Like, I obviously want the Panthers to win, but I'm not gonna like my Sunday is not gonna be ruined because they lose a football game. You can like, be more I, objective about them. Yeah, like I, that thing. I've always been way more objective about the Panthers, and I've always just been way more of a fan with the Hornets. Which is right. why I was totally wrong about the Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier things. I just I'm way too emotional when it comes to the Hornets. But with the Panthers, <laughs> it's not. I've never really had that strong of an emotional attachment to the team. Like obviously, growing up here, season ticket holder. Like I like the team a lot. I want them to win, but I'm not like gonna lose my mind over it so i think that's why i'm able to do the podcast because i can actually be objective and not freak out over every small thing that happens like the current fan base is doing right now every small thing matt rule does everyone wants him basically run out of town to the point where the guy can't even go to hornets games with his family (laughs) which is absolutely ridiculous it's that people think this is like proper behavior look man and i'm like i've heard some people even embrace that like i'm like i'm not i don't even care like you know the thing is he I, I'm extremely critical of Matt Rule. I think he's been pretty damn awful. And I think press conferences, like, the, you know, part of the, what SportsCenter CLT is solely built on, it's all audio. And so I listen to every single press conference, and I've noticed how bad he's been at them really after the Philadelphia game when it was just such a awful, awful loss. Like, we can go back and see signs of that where he's blaming Teddy Bridgewater for everything. He finds a scapegoat. Yeah. And then early on this year, it's like, wait, this is becoming a pretty bad theme. I think Matt Rule is actually the worst. Like, he's awful at handling press conferences and taking accountability. I also don't care enough to say fire Matt Rule and chant that at the Spectrum Center when he goes and it makes an appearance there or when he doesn't make an appearance there. Like, I'm kind of with you on that. Don't like what he's done at all. Also, don't care enough to boo when I'm just watching the Hornets. Especially after the Hornets had a great win, like the best performance of the season. And you're like, oh, we're not really focused on the Hornets. Let's uh, talk about the f- bad team in town. Like, it's, it's weird behavior to me. But, hey, free country, act the way you want. But, you know, maybe don't be a jackhole out in public and make a guy and his family <laughs> feel like they can't go to Harris Teeter without being chastised by some moron living down in Monroe. I like Julian's life advice today. I like your actions more than I like your words and don't be a jackhole. We should have a life advice segment with Julian Council joining us here on the Hornets podcast, and he'll be joining us to celebrate even more. Hopefully some wins down the road. It certainly looks good for them based on how they've performed so far. Thanks to Julian for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, and thanks to you guys. Now make sure your second listen is Lockdown Bets, where it's hosted by your boy Q, and you get expert analysis from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thanks again to Julian. Thanks again to you. We'll be back with you tomorrow on the Lockdown Hornets podcast.